Going where no car has gone before. We are the SpyFi Guys, and this is Cars 2. Hello and welcome back to the SpyFi Guys, where we cover spy fact, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And we are back with our latest spy fiction movie, Cars 2, from 2011. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Christian, would you like to explain why this was chosen? Because I wanted to? <laughs> is there is there is there more of a reason than that? I know, I suppose that's fair. So people may be surprised to know that Cars 2 isn't exactly a spy movie, but like Hudson Hawk, it has spies in it. I will argue that it is a spy movie, but, you know, mm-hmm. we'll get into it. So, Zach, before all of this, what was your experience with the Cars franchise, with, with Disney's Cars? Basically none. I used to work in a preschool for kids with autism, and the kids there were into Cars. They had, like, okay. Cars backpacks and Cars pajamas, mm-hmm. and although I like Pixar movies as much as the next guy, the Cars movies struck me as especially kitty. Hmm. If that makes All sense. Right. All right. Well, because kids love cars. It comes off as pandering. Yeah. Okay. Now, I made you watch Cars 1 before you watched Cars 2. Do yes. you agree that it is pandering and kitty? No. Okay. I would not say that, having watched it. Maybe at a couple points, but it is a Pixar movie. It is a Pixar movie. And it's got a surprise. Like, you go in thinking you're watching a racing movie. And it's one, you know, basically... That movie, what, Doc Hollywood? Doc Hollywood, yes, that I told you about. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's a movie called Jay Fox movie about a doctor who gets stranded in a small town and has to work off a community service. Mm-hmm. But it's also this tale about how, you know, the rise of the, uh, like, interstate highways basically decimated these small towns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my favorite part was the James Taylor song, because I like James Taylor. Yeah, so... Like, I was not expecting that in that movie when I watched it the first time. Um, as for me, so I watched Cars 2 without having seen Cars 1 and having only an idea of who Mater and I guess kind of Light McQueen were. Mm-hmm. And I watched it because it was marketing itself as like a spy movie. Yeah, so I seem to remember I had this mental image of Lightning McQueen in a tuxedo. No. But I, maybe that was a fever dream or something because it was not in this movie. <laughs> nope, nope. But yeah, so Cars 1 was enjoyable, and then I had heard that Cars 2 wasn't that good, but I was like, well, it is Pixar. Like, how bad could it really be? (laughs) Yeah. So, why don't we get into this? Zach, let's hear our haikus, poems, and synopses. Yes. So, as always, we do our poetry synopsis. Here's the haiku. Worldwide tournament. It's revenge of the beaters. Friendship and rockets. (laughs) All right, all right. I feel like that covers the movie pretty well. And then here is our limerick. There once was a mater named Toe who screwed up a race for his bro. Two cars who are spies with a hollow disguise. By the end, he's found a new bow. Isn't bow usually referring to a girl, a boyfriend rather than a girlfriend? We live in a progressive age. A bow could be either. Okay, all right. Just, 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 just put it out there. I think so. And then here's the real IMDb plot summary. Star race car Lightning McQueen and his pal Mater head overseas to compete in the World Grand Prix race. But the road to the championship becomes rocky as Mater gets caught up in an intriguing adventure of his own international espionage. So we start with a cold open. There's a video message from a spy whose name oh, escapes me at this point. A spy car, obviously, because there are no humans in this world. But there are things other than cars as well, which is something we learned mm-hmm. <laughs> as well. So it's uh, an, an agent sending a message to his colleague, Friend McMissile, say, um, directing him to come to this to these coordinates. So mm-hmm. we see Finn McMissile going to the oil rig. He's looking for his colleague. Part of this reminded me of the tuxedo because he's using like sticky pads and like rolling up the side of it. Right. I also like that he gets dropped off by a Navy boat, a living boat, a boat <laughs> with eyes, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty sweet, actually. Yeah. Yeah, we got we got car gadgets. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, surveilling the scene, and he sees he identifies this car named Professor Zundap, and he sees his colleague has been crushed by a you know one of those car compactors. <laughs> yes, what a uh, way to go! It's a little hardcore for a kids' movie too, right? 
Is this the first appearance of guns in a Pixar movie? There were guns in The Incredibles. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, there were. Yes, which is my favorite Pixar movie, which is why I have a pretty good good memory of it. It's a chase, a car chase. Well, any chase by default in this movie is a car chase. Ah, That's true. Um, Yeah, but there's a chase on the platform, oil platform, which becomes a boat chase because, of course, he can transform into a boat. Of course he can, just like in Thunderball. Though I do Uh, think it's funny, not Thunderball. Which one's the one with the underwater fight? Or the underwater car? Underwater car is the spy who loved me, but this is not an underwater car yet. It's just on the water. Oh, that's later, of course. And then it becomes a submarine chase. (laughs) Yeah, though I do think it was funny the part where he's backed up to the edge and then he just goes off the side of an oil rig. I was like, Mm -hmm. if you're a car, that's not as impressive because a car is not going to like splatter (laughs) on the water like a human Uh, would. Yeah, but it was like a reference (laughs) to every time, you know, like. Where Bond makes these big, you know, giant swan dives and goes, you know, right. into the water. But yes, he also pulls it, you know, an Obi-Wan Kenobi from Attack of the Clones here, where he, you know, jettisons his spare parts to make it look like he exploded as he's going mm. underwater. Yeah, plus oil, which I guess is supposed to be like blood. <laughs> yeah. Oil has a lot of different metaphors in here. It could be blood, it could be urine. Urine. It's 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 not an exact, you know. Presumably, it could be menstrual blood. <laughs> wow. Okay. I've never what? thought of that. <laughs> I mean, that begs the question of how do cars reproduce? We don't really know. There are uh, so yeah, many was, questions about. I was going to ask about that later. <laughs> yeah. So we're introduced to or reintroduced here in Tomater, or as he's known as Tomater. Basically, his yeah. name's a tomato joke. Yes, but also because he toes. Yeah. Find out that Lightning McQueen is not yet back he, from his fourth Piston Cup win. Yeah, but so yeah, the end is... of the, the, the first one is like, he gives up his win mm-hmm. for, it's a kind of a long story, but the point is he's becoming a winner now. Yeah, well, not just become he is, he's four times. Yeah, um, well, a world champion now. Yeah, yeah. the world, yet, because we'll find yet. that here. Um, so, Mater's making all these big plans for his return, and he sees that, you know, uh, Lightning McQueen has just gotten back, and we also get a reveal that... Uh, Lightning McQueen has managed to change the name of the Piston Cup to the Hudson Hornet Piston Cup to honor his mentor, the Hudson Hornet, a.k.a. Doc Hudson, who was voiced by Paul Newman. Paul Newman, in his final film appearance. Mm-hmm, yeah. I guess Doc Hudson's gone, and they don't explain what happened to him. Well, we, as we see in this movie, cars can die because they explode and all these other things, so something happened to him, but we don't Presumably, know. Presumably, yeah, they can die of old age as well. So we get a montage of all them doing all the you know things that Mater had planned for them. Yeah, I have a note here. Playing on train tracks is fun. <laughs> uh, they also do some tractor tipping with you know like cow tipping, except with tractors. Except yeah, but they, a giant one, which was pretty. And it's pretty like a sweet. bulldozer. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's a part where they when they're done, they come back to town, and you can see where the road is repaved oh, from the from first, first one. one. Yep. Yep. Yeah, there's a, little, a nice little detail. Yeah. This is also where we get the idea that Mater likes his dents. He doesn't want to, you know, get them uh, fixed because each dent is like a memory for him. Usually something that he did with Lightning McQueen. Yeah, it's a... Is that a thing in action movies where they're like, every scar is a memory? Or maybe it's like a YOLO YOLO thing. (laughs) Maybe? I don't know. Or, well, I feel like it's a Batman thing. Mm, Yeah, that too. Lightning McQueen is trying to give Mater the hint that he wants to have dinner with his girlfriend Sally, but Mater is not getting the hint, but finally McQueen has to, you know, spell it out for him, and so he goes away sad. Yeah, so this, so have... this is some third third wheel drama. Did you see <laughs> Ralph Breaks the Internet? I did, yes. Okay, so there's a YouTuber I watch, not Relator Media, who thinks that Ralph Breaks the Internet is like the worst animated movie in the history of humanity. In the emoji movie? Yeah, I'm not going to go into it now, but I did like here how there's, I thought there would be more of this conflict of like Mater wanting to get too close and being like too clingy. Oh. Like there was some of it, but I thought it was going to be more of a plot point across the movie. Right. Which would have been interesting and very emotional, but it turns out not so much. Hard to work that in with a spy movie as well. They, they kind of do a lot in this movie. <laughs> they do. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they have their date night, and uh, Mater figures out the only way he can join them is by pretending to be their waiter. And as he's getting their drinks, we see a news report about 
this car named Sir Miles Axelrod, who is this billionaire environmentalist. He converted into an electric car, and he's got this new biofuel called All in All. And there's going to be a new worldwide race to show it off called the World Grand Prix. And he's even roped in this fancy, you know, Formula One car, Francesco Bernoulli. I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much exposition from this one news report. (laughs) (laughs) Sir Miles is asked, why is there no Light McQueen? Because he's, you know, one of the best racers ever. And apparently... He's told that, you know, Lightning McQueen has just come back from a grueling season. And so he's, you know, having a break. And Mm. Mater decides he's going to call in and inadvertently gets McQueen to join the World Grand Prix race. And I'm going to say this now. You're going to hear the words inadvertently and accidentally a lot from me when I'm describing what Mater does. It's kind of a plot powered by coincidence. Well, not even <laughs> that. Happenstance. Not coincidence. Yeah, just accident. Yeah. So I like this smug European rival. Do you remember in The Man from Uncle where they had yep. that Italian race car driver? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was, it was like nice. The husband of the other guy, uh, the, of the woman, rather. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's also a part here where Lightning says Kachow for the first time, and I liked he says Kachow just often enough that it's funny, but uh-huh. not too much that it becomes annoying, which <laughs> I appreciate it. Now, Sally convinces uh, Lightning to bring Mater with him on the tour, which, you know, he's never actually been to one of his races before. Again, this is like Doc Hollywood, where someone's out of their element. Yeah. So, first stop, Tokyo. We see what a car plane ride looks like which is basically them inside of a plane which is a living right thing yes <laughs> uh they're watching a japanese game show that looks like one of those like it looks like the takishi's castle well i was just thinking like do you remember that show most extreme elimination challenge that was on like yeah. uh spike tv or something like that Sure. Well, that's what it is, but in Japan, it's called Dakishi's Castle. Right. I was just saying, it was the whatever the Japanese actual right. show for that is. Yeah, something yeah. something like that. So this this plane must be enormous because there's two there's four cars per yep. aisle, and each uh-huh. car has its own seat. Yeah. So it's got to be like fifty feet across. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, we see them, you know, driving through the Shinjuku district. We see, you know. Vending machines for tires and things. They go yes. to movie theater. They do watch a sumo wrestling. All the you know montagey things. If you're going to Japan, so I like how Lightning McQueen has an entourage. It isn't mm-hmm. just Major with him. It's like five other cars. Well, it's his pit crew because he's got to have remember the name of the hippie car who and also Sarge who like deal with his fuel, or I guess Sarge is probably security. And then you have what Guida or. Is his name actually yeah, I, I don't know if we need to go through the whole crew, but... Well, the two Italian cars, there was his pit crew. It's like, yeah, mm. it makes... They all have their jobs. But yes, it's not just mm. Mater. So they go to the World Grand Prix, you know, gala reception. And Mater... T- or McQueen tells Mater to be on his best behavior. But of course, Mater does stuff to embarrass McQueen. Right. And so he tells him that he has to act different because this isn't Radiator Springs. Yeah, they're, they're home. So yeah. I also have a note here, apparently money exists in this world. Like, I guess, how could it not? Well, yeah, Mater wants to get a drink, and he finds out the drinks are free, and so he goes and runs over. So yes, money exists here somehow. I mean, I get, that's mm-hmm. not a weird... I don't know, is that is that a weird thing, that money exists in a car world where everything is cars? No, it's, it's not. But <laughs> I, I just wondered, like... I mean, they have jobs. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was like communism where they just did their jobs because they like it. Because that's mm. what they're meant to do. Because well, like in the first movie, they have no customers. So I'm like, how do they survive? Uh, I assume they all just help each other out, kind of. Yeah. Well, it's a poor, it's a poor struggling town. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, so I guess. yeah, if it's a poor struggling town, how would that work if there's no money? Because it just wouldn't matter. Yeah, good point. McQueen meets Francesco in person. They have, you know, some a nice little back and forth rivalry. Right. And then we go to, over to Sir Axelrod making a speech. Finn McMissile arriving at the gala. He scans the room. He locates his contact, Holly Shiftwell, who's voiced by Emily, not Emily Blunt, the other one. I didn't recognize her name when I looked her up on IMDb. But uh, Finn McMissile is voiced Mortimer. by Michael Caine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He is voiced by Michael Caine, of course. Who recently retired from acting. I did see that. That is, uh, well, I mean, you know, he's had 
quite the career. So, you know, good on him. He is 90 as well. Wow. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I do enjoy that they have, like, you know, the usual code phrase back and forth. But this one's related oh, yeah. to cars, of course. Yeah, it's, it's like the downshifter is coming in reverse or something like that. <laughs> well, it's about something about, you know, uh, some, some, some car has no air oh, filter. Yeah. Some car has it, no air filter. Oh, yeah, yeah, because that comes back later. That's why it's relevant. Or something to that. I don't remember exactly what it was, but yes. Mm. So it's revealed here that the oil rig was actually on top of a huge unknown oil reserve. And then there was an American deep cover agent on the rig who got a photo of the car who's behind it all. This American agent is at the gala, but Finn notices that the cars who were on the platform, all the go- some of the goons, are here at the gala as well, and they'll recognize Finn. So Holly will have to do the meet instead of Finn. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie to you, Christian. I did not understand the plot of a lot of this movie. Like, really? who worked with who, and who is connected to what? I. It's not that complicated. Yeah, maybe I just turned my brain off or something. Probably. It's fine. <laughs> So here's where we get uh, the wasabi joke, where Mater goes up to the to the bar and sees what he thinks is pistachio ice cream, but of course it's wasabi. Asks for some, and you know the, the chef is only giving him like small portions. And all right, fine, take this whole big thing. And I like my this is in my favorite quotes. The sushi chef says, "My condolences." <laughs> It was one of my favorite ones, too. So it's mutually assured destruction. We yeah, both lost yeah. it. But it was great. I, I think I probably got the biggest laugh of the movie in that part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I tried to work wasabi into the limerick somehow. <laughs> it didn't work. Sir Axelrod is, you know, interested in introducing all the cars who are the racers. And Lightning is getting introduced. But, of course, Mater interrupts him because he's drinking the water from this giant sort of water curtain feature. Mm-hmm. You know, he embarrasses lightning, and also it looks like he's leaking oil. Right. So is it supposed to be like he, like, wet his pants or something? I, I guess so, yeah. And I did like that this comes back later. I completely yeah, forgot yeah, about it, good. but the writers did not. It's not just a, you know, pee their pants joke. Yeah, exactly. So Mater goes, actually, this is also quite important, because he goes, because of this, he goes to the bathroom. There's some fancy Japanese toilets in there, which I was very amused by. It's an old joke. There's a lot of, like, Japan stereotype jokes in this movie, but, you know, we, we, we roll with it, no pun intended, because it's <laughs> I mean, also, like, so I've been to Japan. Uh-huh. Well, the toilets, if they're not fancy, they're also just squatting toilets, but let's not go into that. Oh, boy. They do have fancy toilets there, I will say that. Yeah, Alana, who recently joined us for Spy Kids, rented Japan recently as well, but it did not occur to me to ask about the toilets. <laughs> we see the American agent, Torque, who's voiced by Bruce Campbell. Do you enjoy that? I did, but it took me way too long to recognize his voice. By the time I did, he was <laughs> about to die, basically. Oh, uh, yeah. So Torque is having an encounter with some of the, other, the goons from the platform. So he, instead of you know leaving the intel with himself, he plants it on Mater. Mm-hmm. Along with a tracking signal. He has a fight. It's a bathroom fight. Yes. With cars. <laughs> with cars, of course. But yeah. this is before um, bathroom fights were like a stereotype, right? I take it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mission... Or not Mission... Uh, Cassini Royale had one, which is a really good one. But, well, yeah, when did that come out? Was it 2006? This is 2011, oh. I think. Okay. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it, it's after. It's uh, not a cliche, but let's just yeah. say... Uh, it's before expected. the big Mission Impossible Fallout one. But yeah. not before the one in, I think it's the same year as, no, no, no. It's before, also before the one in Mad from Uncle. And the one from the first episode of Burn Notice that we talked uh, about. After that, I think. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yes. Yeah, he gets captured. Holly goes to meet with what, who she thinks is the American agent, but is, of course, Mater. They do, she gives the same, you know, spy talk code phrase, but because Mater is actually good at his job as a tow truck he knows mm-hmm. the response because it's just common knowledge to him for the first time but not the yeah. last i realized what this movie reminded me of which is armageddon what yeah when they're like we need these blue collar guys because oh. they know more than the top secret government agency how to do this huh. which is exactly what happens later more so later but definitely in this part too that is fascinating i would never have connected that yeah it's more like what was it the man who knew too much or Mm. whatever yeah where an ordinary person gets pulled or north by northwest where an ordinary person gets pulled into a spy world yeah shift well 
or Holly Schiffel wants to set up a meet with him, a rendezvous with him later because it's too public for them to talk here. Mater thinks that she's asking him out on a date, so they arrange for tomorrow at the race. This also occurred to me. I was like, wait a minute. So is Mater the main character of this movie then? Yes. Yes, he is. I, I, I guess, yeah. Show. It quickly became clear. And I gotta say, I would have preferred more Lightning McQueen, to be frank. No, no, no that's fair. I mean, yeah, no. It's, it's, it's quite the shift, no pun intended, from the first movie. Yes. Just because Mater's, like, shtick of, like, yelling a lot and running around and breaking things can get a little bit tiresome. No pun yeah. intended. Oh man, we gotta keep going with these power farms. <laughs> oh man. Oh, oh boy. And we're not even trying. Dude, you gotta get your dad joke game like up and running. Oh man. Alright. So we go to Torque being interrogated by the goon cars. And they give him some all in all, and like they have him on this sort of treadmill right. thing to get his RPMs high and mm. hit his motor with an EMP which apparently will explode his engine block. It seems like there's an easier way to kill a car. Well, they've got to show off their yeah. their method for, you know, screwing up the entire race. They're testing their carbon freeze on Captain yeah. Solo. Yeah, right? So they're trying they're doing this to try to get him to reveal which car he gave the intel to and they're showing like showing photos of all these different cars that he interacted with during the gala and when the Mater's photo shows up he doesn't say anything, but his like eyes get you know go back and forth, and so they realize it's him. And then they turn you know this dial up to eleven, and his mm. engine block explodes. We don't see it. What we're focused on is the photo of Mater, but you see the reflection of like an explosion in the in the screen. How did you? What do you think? I like that. It was scarily effective. Yeah, it made me sad because it, it was a gruesome way to go, and it meant no more Bruce Campbell. <laughs> So we go to the first race, which, like we said, is set in Tokyo. The course is mixed to give everyone a fair shot. So, you you know, because there's, no, you know, the cars are not, you know, you have Lightning McQueen, who's more of a NASCAR style. And then you have, say, Francesco, who is an F1 style. So they've all got their parts right. of the track, which they are the best at. But it's also supposed to be equalizer. So did you ever play Cruising World, the arcade game? I was going to say, I was going to bring that up later, that... Each of these courses feels like a cruising world track. That's right. It reminds me of, I have the, the no, Tokyo rules. That's something they say. <laughs> Though, I, I don't know if there are there cars. Is there a cars racing game? It feels so there obvious. There are multiple. Yeah. It's very I've obvious. I played the first one. There's one based on the first movie, the one based on the second movie, and then a couple of spinoff ones. Mm. The one based on the first movie is more like a straight up like NASCAR racer. The second right. one is more of a like almost Mario Kart style thing mm, with, with, you gadgets. Have, <laughs> with gadgets and weapons. And yeah. Oh, that makes sense. You would not like them because they're on the GameCube. Racing games for the GameCube is better than shooters. I had a game called uh, NASCAR Thunder that we played. Uh -huh, uh -huh. The best part All was right. the crashes. <laughs> Mater is in the pit uh, with the rest of, you know, team radiator Springs and Holly sees him there. Finn is complimenting his cover as, like, he's talking to Holly, saying he's got a really good cover as, you know, this idiot, basically. Right. Yeah, this is where things get a little bit frustrating, because Mater just keeps talking and talking and talking, even though McQueen tells him not to, which is kind of tiresome for the audience. And if I were a kid heavily invested in what's going <laughs> on in the movie, it would make me even more frustrated. Right. So, so yeah, so Mater, at this point, is, you know, advising... Uh, lightning over the radio of what you know what who which way he should turn and also that sort of stuff because he has a better view of everything as opposed to lightning who you just see right in front of him mm. so here the bad guys blow a, a different racer's engine with the camera emp and they notice mater in the pits so they start sending these goons to the pit holly notices this and warns mater over the radio which she hacked into Mater leaves the course, and Finn is taking out all the goons, but Mater, like you said, Mater still has his headset on and inadvertently causes McQueen to lose the race. Yes, which was interesting. Yeah. Emotional conflict. I also like that somebody is trying to figure out who the goons are, and there's a part where they say the VIN number matches. 
Ah, uh, yeah. Remember that? They, they reference a VIN number a couple of times. Yep. So yep. having recently bought a new car, I've become more familiar with it. And <laughs> it, it implies, I imagine the car DMV in this world is like a huge bureaucracy, like a giant <laughs> building. Sort of by scale, any building that they have has to be a giant building because... Yes, that's right. The cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just to fit a bunch of cars in there. Yes. Just imagine everything's like four times bigger than it should be. Probably, yeah. But yeah, I mean, so here's the thing about that, though. You said it was frustrating. Imagine uh-huh. how it would be if there was someone who just was constantly talking over a radio. Yeah, no, I'm saying it's frustrating as an audience member because you're like, Mater, just listen to him. He's your, I suppose, you know, he's your best friend. Just stop talking, for the love of God. I know. I'm, well, so I'm just saying I've been in work things where I've had to have a radio on. Uh-huh. And there are people who just don't know that they shouldn't just be broadcasting everything over the radio. Mm. And it's just like, <laughs> really? Come on, people. Very true to life. Yeah. Anyway, so after the race, Lightning confronts Mater about screwing him up. Mater feels guilty and decides he's going to go home. Mm. This and... is a classic Disney plot. I don't yeah. want to say contrivance, but plot development. Plot point. Yeah. Sure. We also find out that not just one car, but multiple cars flamed out during the race. Okay, wait. Yes. Sorry. So flamed out. Did you get the impression that they died? No. But then they don't come back later. Do they? I think, like, by the end of the movie, there's noticeably fewer people. I did that keep a good count on it, but yeah. Yeah, but so then at the end, they're going to use their EMP weapon on McQueen, and they keep saying, kill McQueen, kill, kill, kill. So uh-huh. I guess the weapon kills the cars. I mean, it could. Yes and no, because when we're t- we have Torque being um, tortured, he gets killed by it. Yeah, he gets killed. But he says that, like, they're saying that they can blow out their en- it'll blow out their engine block, and he says, "Yeah, well, I can always just replace my engine, so it can mm. be done." But if you turn it up to the maximum, they don't yeah. make them entirely explode. Oh, I see. That's good. Because yeah. if it did kill them, this movie would have like a ridiculous Very body count. Very dark, right? <laughs> a body count, get it? Yeah. Uh... Ooh, they're coming. They're coming. <laughs> so Mater is at the airport going home. He's followed by the goons. And Finn it, McMissile is there in a disguise and grabs him before the goons can get him. They have a chase through the airport. And right. they do the, I, I enjoy it, driving onto a onto a plane. It's fun. Yeah, like Fast and Furious. I also think there's a part where Finn McMissile uses a counter missile. Like someone shoots a missile at him and he like, uh-huh. flips and shoots one back. <laughs> that was pretty sweet. Yep. We have McQueen reading the letter from Mater. Yes, this prompted a question for me. How did he write a letter if he doesn't have fingers? Uh, I have no good answer for that. Right. Because usually when they need to do things with all hands, they like move their tires, yeah. but not for something like writing a letter. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they just put a pen. How would they get the pen in there? I don't know. That's it's. Uh... <laughs> yeah, Maybe he got one of those little, little like loaders to do it. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, so on the plane, Holly Shiftwell is also is also on the plane and Holly and Finn get the intel from the device that's been planted on Mater. Mater's able to recognize the photo of the engine that of the car that's behind all of it. Yeah, so this is also like Armageddon, where he knows better than these guys with all of their resources, because he's a blue-collar working man, working truck. <laughs> he also inadvertently clues them into the fact that, you know, there are rare parts in the photo. Mm-hmm. Because they're rare parts, they can track those down easily, so they go off to Paris to visit the rare parts market. Right. So here we get a Paris montage. We get the Arc de Triomphe. We get Notre Dame. There's pigeon planes. Yeah, little oh, yeah. little little planes that are pigeons. <laughs> we get the Pont de Art Bridge, Sacré Cœur, the Louvre. That's where you see the pigeon birds or right. pigeon planes. Gaston's restaurant, which is a pun on Gaston's restaurant from Ratatouille. Oh yeah, I haven't seen Ratatouille. So what? Whatever. What? <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen a lot of classic movies. That's why we do this <sighs> podcast. Uh-huh. Well, I don't think we can work Ratatouille into this podcast. Unfortunately, I know. I can try. Part where they meet this girl and they she like jumps at the camera. It's like a jump scare, and then they get scared. And I was like, "Why are they scared? I don't understand." Can you please explain? Yes, and so that's in the flea market. It's one of the largest flea markets. It's called the Marché uh, Pousses, or actually, in this world, it's called 
mache are pieces. Right. Uh, the thing there is that most of these cars, their eyes are in the windshield. Right. This car, its eyes were in its headlamp. I did notice that. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's it what was it's kind of weird. weird. That's why it's supposed to be weird. Yeah. So it'd be the equivalent of a person with like their eyes on like their chest or something. Yeah, yeah. I'd be scared yeah. too. <laughs> so they go to see um, the person who deals in rare parts there and who notices Finn through a bunch of rearview mirrors that are on a wall. They have a chase, and Holly tasers the the uh, market owner, and Mater right. tows him out of the uh, public area. We find out that the market owner is actually an informant for yeah, Finn. See, this, this is where I guess a little bit convoluted. Say, <laughs> so I, is it? Why? I, I thought so. Well, just because like who's working for what, and where does the professor weigh in, and what's the deal with the industrialist? Well, the industrialist he's d- doing his thing, and the yeah. you know, professor and his goons are basically trying to ru- ruin his thing. Yeah, I'm going to be in real trouble when we do our next John Le Carre. <laughs> Said that he sold all these parts to this guy over the phone, so he has no idea who it is, but it reveals that it's his best customer. Mm-hmm. And then Mater realizes, inadvert- or inadvertently clues them into the fact that all of the goon cars are lemon cars. Right. And then the informant says, oh yeah, well all the lemon cars are having a big meeting in Porta Corsa, Italy which happens to be where the next race is. Sure, another contrivance. Contrivance? Is it a contrivance? There's a reason for it. <laughs> no, I know, I'm joking. Do, do you think there's a um, like a, a political message here that this is like the revolt of the underclass? Uh, kind, maybe? Like, a little like bit. <laughs> well, maybe not in so many words. So, and we'll get more of this in the next scene, but they're so, the, the lemons are almost framed like, well, not the art frame. They are stand-ins for the mafia here in this movie. Yeah, but they have a grievance. Yeah, yeah. We were born this way. It's not their fault. Born or built? Born. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we'll get to that. So, they take a train to Italy. Again, the train is a living being that they're riding inside of. Is it, though? Yes, yes, it is. There's a face on the front of the train. Yeah, but the face doesn't move, I remember. But there's yeah, a face. I, I looked carefully. I just wasn't sure. Okay, so it is alive. I, yeah, <laughs> someone told us there was a rumor that we were going to make a trains movie. They were going to make a trains movie. They were, I think they were make a subway. But they were going to do all sorts. This is all John, John Lasseter. Was, <clears> this was his baby. The Cars franchise was his baby as well as Planes. When he was still at Pixar. And we will not get into why he's no longer at Pixar. Right. Uh, he's making movies like Planes. No. It's uh, more... <laughs> You know, we'll, we won't get into it. Uh, anyway, so yes, they're on the train to Italy. Uh, Holly has surveillance photos of the lemons and notices that one of the heads of the lemon families is being towed by a tow truck that looks similar to Mater. Mm-hmm. So they get an idea. Yep. Now, oh, I, I do have the names of the two like uh, Italian cars on uh, you know, Team Lightning McQueen. It's Luigi and Guido, basically the two, you know, <laughs> Some of the most stereotypical Italian names. So they happen to be from near Porta Corsa. So they take their the whole team to meet their family before the next race. We see that Lightning is sad about Mater not being there. Is this not the same without his best friend? Yeah. Who he met one movie ago. No, sorry, <laughs> I, don't mean to, I don't mean to be cynical. Yeah, but it's been at least, what, four years if the, you know. If the Piston Cup is once a year. Yeah. Once a year, yeah. Mm. Maybe five years, I don't know. Holly and Finn give Mater a holographic disguise to look like the car that's towing the head of the Lemon family. And they're going to switch places with the car uh, or with the tow truck. Now, while she's doing the final calibration of the disguise, Holly tries to fix his dents. And here we get the reiteration about, you know, how each one is a memory to him. Right. Also, Mater keeps trying to tell them that he's not a spy, but they think he's just, you know, playing up his cover. Yeah, they come off as a little bit dumb that, that they that they don't believe that <laughs> or that they can't figure it out on their own. They also install uh, some weapons on him. Well, we don't see what we what he gets, but it's like the, you know, guns, lots of guns scenes in the Matrix. It just opens up this whole section and it's a ton of different guns. Yeah. Again, perfect for a video game, but I would be nervous trusting Mater around a firearm. I'm just going to say it. I don't care if it's a redneck. That's entirely fair. <laughs> So we have the second race in Porto Corsa, basically a combination of Monaco and the Amalfi Coast in Italy. Mm-hmm. The yeah. landscapes look great in this movie. Here's mm-hmm. where we see the Pope Mobile. 
in his own pulp mobile. I remember talking about this. You were like, there's space Catholicism. I mean, not space, car Catholicism. Yeah, so the existence of a Pope mobile, right. who is the Pope of... And they even make a joke saying, is a Pope mobile Catholic? Mm. So that implies the Catholic Church exists in the car universe, which implies that Jesus as a car exists, who is probably named something like Jesus Chrysler. Oh, you should write cars for. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but how could he exist before cars exist? Would he be a cart? Get it? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I had not even thought about that. Mm. Well, there were no animals, so how would he get around? <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> so many questions. I also we should come up with more car names for religious figures. <laughs> uh, oh, ooh. I don't, I oh, can't. Yeah. Like B Moses W. Oof, that's oh, bad. No, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah. think of anything. Let's move on. But move, that, that move on. Oh. there's also a good joke about a three point turn around here. So Sir Axelrod is also giving another press conference, uh, talking about how he had all in all analyzed and it's completely safe, despite you know the multiple flameouts on the track last time. Mm-hmm. And then around here is another question about the car universe because. The smug European rival guy, whose oh, name I forget. Wheels. wheels. Oh no, Francesco. Francesco. I was say, is this about the open wheels? No, no, no. It's not about that. It's about he's like, and here is my mother. I love you, mother. And I was like, how can a car have a mother? <laughs> Did she like give birth to him? I don't know. Or is <laughs> it like you know they're manufactured and then sent to? Is it literally like you know? We used to tell kids where, you know, the stork brings them. They literally are shipped off to parents. And then she raised him. And yeah. she just happens to look exactly like him. I mean, I assume that, well, not pres- presumably you'd send cars who look similar to, I don't know. I don't know how this works. No, I actually like that explanation. <laughs> it makes sense. Lightning is still sad about Mater. And French. we've told Francesco has a home court advantage because he grew up in Porta Corsa. So he raced these hills. Mm-hmm. We see the lemon bosses arrive and go to this casino, and Mater has to tow one of the bosses around. <laughs> uh, Holly and Finn have installed a HUD in Mater's on Mater so that he can actually see and identify all the lemons and their names and VIN numbers, etc. Right. Yeah, I, I quite like the joke where he's reading the guy's rap sheet. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> so they're waiting for the big boss who's behind it all. And it's revealed he's just going to appear on a screen. He's like unseen like Blofeld, except instead of only seeing a hand and a cat, you just see the engine block. Mm. Yeah, which is just not the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, what would be a cat in this universe? Uh, good question. We saw one kind of car animal, <laughs> but I don't know. So he does a big villain monologue as another car is flaming out on the course and also another... Holly detects the EMP signature, and it's coming from a camera. So Finn goes out to find where the camera is, and the villain's monologuing still about how after the failure of All in All, everyone will race back to gasoline. And with the lemons owning the owning the largest untapped reserve, it'll make them all powerful. Right. So that's why I was wondering, why do they keep blowing up the cars, and it's to discredit All, all in All? Yep. But then the industrialist is behind it all, and he put all this money into all in all. So why does he want it to fail? We'll get there. <laughs> okay. I, I'm like the mater of this podcast. I need everything <laughs> explained to me. So yeah, so Finn goes to is does this like parkour car par, car carkour. <laughs> oh, that was bad. Parkour, yeah. Uh, no, no, that was great. Keep it up. I don't like it. <laughs> to get to the camera, almost gets to them, but he gets captured by a giant magnet hanging from a helicopter, a la yes. You Only Live Twice. That was pretty sweet, too. So the lemons flame out. Yes, another car on the track who causes a multi-car pileup. Mm. Holly sees Finn being taken away. McQueen and Francesco finish the race. They're the only two who weren't caught up in the pileup, basically. Cars definitely died in that pileup, I'm sure. Or at least one. I was like, if they can die, then they die there. Yeah. Afterwards, uh, Sir Axelrod says he'll no longer require the racers to use all in all in the next race. Mm. Now, Mater is still hanging out in the casino with the lemons, and he's told by Holly to abort. He sees Lightning get on TV, who says that 
he will still use all in all in the next race or the final race. Yeah, he believes in it. He's like, I stick by my friends. Yeah, because his friend, who's the hippie, like VW Van, whose name I don't remember, has said yeah. that it's okay, that it's good. He doesn't explicitly say it, but I think it probably shows that. Yeah, he feels bad about. Oh yeah, it's it's blah. definitely definitely yeah. about that whole thing. Once they see that, the lemons get the orders to kill Lightning McQueen in the next race. Mater accidentally reveals himself and inadvertently fires off his Gatling guns and accidentally mm. fires a parachute. This is where he gets ridiculous in the <laughs> things that he accidentally does to make it all work out. Right. So he escapes, tries to find Lightning. Lightning hears him in the crowd but can't find him and instead finds the the, uh, the Lemon uh, tow truck. Right. And Mater gets captured by the Lemons. So here we have this dream sequence that Mater has where he realizes how embarrassed he's been acting to- with Lightning. We didn't talk about it, but someone mentions, and it's like Galaxy Quest where you overhear somebody talking about him, and they're like, Every- oh, yeah. everyone thinks he's an idiot. That's why it's the perfect cover. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh. So he's, you know, he's not perfect either. He realizes he needs to change. Yeah. So he actually yeah. has some self-awareness here. Right. Which is the saving grace of this movie. Because if he just continued as he was mm-hmm. and just kept stumbling into things, we, I, I would not, could not continue with the movie. Yeah, he'd be much less of a sympathetic protagonist. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he wakes up in Big Bentley. Did you catch that? Okay, I have a confession for you here. I act, I was like, is Big Bentley like the proper British no, name for no. Big Ben? Bentley is a type of car. I know, I got that eventually. Eventually. <laughs> it, it, it took a while, but yes. Well, you know, my, Michael Caine is so British and he sounds so authoritative. I thought that he he knew more than I did. Well, Bentley is actually James Bond's original car in the novels. Mm. So that's why I knew of it as a brand, at least, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, certainly I've heard of it as a brand, but yeah, I I was tired when I watched this. (laughs) (laughs) He wakes up, he's tied up, and Holly and Finn are there too. They're like trapped between the gears of the giant clock. Mm. And they finally realize that Mater is not a spy. (laughs) Finally, at the end of all things. The lemons arrive with one of the cameras set up inside Big Ben with a little, like, window. Right. So that, so that Mater has a front row seat to Lightning McQueen's death. You say it really dramatically, too. It's like, from the depth of Lightning McQueen. <laughs> <laughs> so the rest of the Radiator Springs crew, who was just, you know, at home, so Sally and the fire truck and all the others that I can't remember, mm. show up in London once they realize that Mater didn't come home because... Lightning called Radiator Springs to talk to Mater, but he wasn't there. Right. As they're talking, Sir Axelrod comes up and thanks Lightning for sticking with all in all. Right. So the race is ready to start. The Queen is there. (laughs) The Queen queen car, yeah. (laughs) Yep. She's the one who actually starts the race by, like, waving her flag or her, Uh like, uh, antenna. Right. The race goes past Buckingham Palace through the Admiralty Arch. You can see a couple of different landmarks, like the I think you see the London Eye at one point. Yeah. Uh, the Lemons target McQueen and actually get you know put put it all the way to maximum, but it doesn't work. Not sure why. Very intriguing. I like that. Yeah. So they go to the backup plan, and you know Mayor's like, "What's the backup plan?" And they tell him, you know, that they put a bomb in his pit, and the next time he goes to pit, he will explode. This is so dark. It's like a suicide bomber type thing. Yeah, so Mater still has his Gatling guns, um, but he, they said, what, you thought we left some bullets? Left you bullets? Ha, no, no, that's stupid. But he manages to use the Gatling guns to break through the rope, but just Mm. by the, you know, the rotation of them. Mm. And... Yeah, they're like miniguns. Yeah. I guess it's both. Sure. About to go and free them, he says, no, you have to go and save everyone. Uh... It's, it's up to you, Mater. It's up to you. We can't do it. Yeah, but Holly and Finn are still trapped. And, you know, there was just a ruse to get him to leave because they don't actually know how to get out. But Holly realizes that she reverses the polarity. You'd like that? Yeah, Doctor Who reference. Of course, yeah. of course. Yeah, because they're British. Yeah, and get the clock moving backwards. They can actually get out. So they do that. We find out that Holly has like a flying rig, so she can she has she can fly. Yes, but they also realize that Mater's escape was too easy, and that for once 
villains monologuing about what their evil plan is has a point. Oh, yeah. Because Mater actually has the bomb in him. It's mm. not in the pit. So by telling him what they what the you know their fake plan is, he will execute the real plan. Yes, yeah, so these villains are kind of are pretty clever. Yeah. Yes. So Mater is driving to the pit. He tells them all to get out. Then he hears over the radio that he has the bomb in his air filter. And as soon as he realizes that, Lightning McQueen finds him. Mater is trying to get away from him, and drives away backwards. Reference to the first movie. <laughs> Yeah, this is more frustration, too, where it's like, just stop and listen to me. No, I won't stop and listen to you. It's like a sitcom. Yeah. But so he actually gets on the track as he's driving backwards. Lightning's trying to apologize. Mater inadvertently activates some rocket boosters he has. Mm -hmm. Because he's going so fast, he gets out of the range for the professor to activate the bomb remotely. Yes. Which was all, yeah, it all kind of made sense. I appreciate that. So Lightning and Mater end up driving off the course. We see that Finn is going after the Professor and almost gets him, but gets caught by the Magnet again. And to escape, he launches some grenades at the Magnet. We see this giant explosion (laughs) from like a distance. It zooms out and you just see this giant explosion in the Mm -hmm. distance. Mm. And so I was like, did he straight up kill the Professor? Sure comes off that way. Yeah. So Holly is chasing after Lightning and Mater. We see the professor has been captured. He's not dead, but maybe they just killed the boat. Right. Oh, that boat. <laughs> the Navy boat. Yeah. So the professor reveals that the bomb needs to be deactivated by voice because they made a reference earlier that everything's voice activated these days. So he sent, tells the bomb to deactivate. But he's not the one who actually activated it in the first place. So that starts a countdown timer for five minutes. Mm-hmm. And so someone else tries it. It brings it down to three minutes. Yeah. Again, these villains are clever. They're always one step ahead of the heroes. Yeah. It helps when the hero is so dumb. <clears throat> I mean, he's not dumb. He just uh, lacks some common sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I would say that lacks common sense or, right. or, but he's at least gained self-awareness of his shortcomings now. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of lemon goons surround our gathered heroes, but it's Radiator Springs to the rescue. So all of the uh, other people from Radiator, or cars from Radiator Springs rescue our heroes, and all the lemons retreat. Yay. Either Luigi or Guido, I don't know which of the two Italian One of them. Thing, yeah. or Italian cars is the, the mechanic, is trying to get the bomb off of Mater's air filter, but none of his wrenches work. So Mater realizes he knows what he has to do, but he's afraid to do it. But Lightning McQueen gives him a pep talk saying, you can do you can do it. You're the bomb. Oh, no, you're literally the bomb. Go. Uh, yeah. So they go off with the rockets and the parachute. They head straight to Buckingham Palace, where uh, the Queen's security tries to keep Mater back. But Mater reveals that the car behind all of this is Sir Axelrod, because he used the same kind of bolts in the uh, to secure the bomb onto Mater as the engine in the photo, and it was revealed that it was him leaking oil in Japan, not Mater. Yeah, Mater would never do that. Uh, I also like how the Queen's security is Land Rovers. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> also here we see, presumably, uh, wait, which, what, what, Prince William, because there's uh-huh. a... Grandmother, let's get you out of here. And I don't think it was Harry. Nope, of course not. Harry's a spare. Or Mater comes up with the idea that uh, Draxelrod faked his conversion to electric. And as this is happening, Mater is getting... Um... No, this is like the parlor scene from a Hercule Poirot mystery. <laughs> where he yep. explains everything. Except there's also a bomb ticking. Yes. But at 30 seconds left on the timer, everyone evacuates... Mater is mm-hmm. continuing his, you know, theorizing and saying that Axelrod created all in all just to make alternative fuels look bad. <laughs> very complicated plot, you might say. Yeah, so everyone else evacuates, and at the very last second, Sir Axelrod deactivates the bomb. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's to save his own life, basically. Basically, yeah. 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 Mater saves the day, and as a reward, he gets knighted. Yes, and they don't have some kind of car pun for being knighted. No, no. But he goes back to Radiator Radiator Springs, where now the sign says, Home of Lightning McQueen and Sir Mater. Yep. (laughs) And Mater is telling the story of his adventures and these two cars who are from the first film. 
who are the tourists who got lost and then are, like they're so excited to see them at Radiator Springs and they like hightail it out of there because they're too yeah. eager. Yeah, my note is also as Holly DTR is with Mater, which means defines <laughs> the relationship with Mater, which is funny. Yep. Yeah. Unfortunately, this does kind of feel like a throwback to the 80s where our male hero goes on an adventure and then he like just kind of gets the girl as a reward at the end. Yeah. It didn't exactly develop in a traditional way, but the movie is a little I old mean, at this point. How do, so I, I mean, uh, there's, there's only so much romance you could do. This movie has a lot. <laughs> it has a lot. A lot. Yeah. We also find out that uh, apparently all in all was literally just gasoline. <laughs> Yes, so that's a little disappointing. <laughs> well, yeah, so it wasn't a real alternative fuel, and it was actually an alternative fuel, or it was gasoline that was enhanced so that it would do the thing that it did when it was hit by an EMP. Mm. And also, the reason that Lightning McQueen didn't explode is because Sarge switched his fuel. Right. <laughs> Not the uh, hippie Without car telling name him. I forget. Yes. Because everyone assumed it was the hippie car, but of course it was actually Sarge. Who's, you know, they have... You, you you see it all a little bit in this movie, but you know it's definitely like they're left wing, right wing, but they're both friends kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And so we have the Radiator Springs Grand Prix, where they finally settle who's faster, Lightning McQueen or Francesco Bernoulli. <laughs> and as the race starts, Finn and Holly have to leave for another mission, but they just came by to pick something up or someone up because apparently the Queen has asked for Mater personally for this mission. But Mater turns them down, and they mm. said, okay, well, if you ever need anything, well, well, there is one thing. So they let him keep the rockets, and he uses the rockets to pick up the lemon car from the very beginning, tow him, and to get to the very front of the race. This is a throwback to the first movie as well. I don't know how well you remember it, but it ends pretty much the same way. Oh, there is one thing, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then it's Mater and... flying through the sky. Yep, yep. <laughs> So I appreciated that. Yeah. And then we get an end song, which I quite enjoy. It's almost a cross between a Bond song and a country song. Robbie Williams. Cars 1 also ended with a country song. Yeah. Um, mm. I'm trying to, I know Robbie. So it's like an, it's an American or a country singer and then like a British singer. I know the British singer is Robbie Williams, who's done some sort of Bond takeoffs. But he did the theme song for Johnny English, if you remember that. I actually, uh, that, that does sound familiar now you mention yeah. it. Uh, the country singer is Brad Paisley. That's who the, who did who's oh, the yeah, other yeah, voice yeah. on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, and that is our movie. All right, so now it is time for our spy fact versus fiction. I can go first because they only have a couple of things. Sure, I'm very mind. curious what you've got. So, just about locations. I was curious ah. if they had made any of the locations up. Mm-hmm. Not really. So, the Rainbow Bridge is a suspension mm-hmm. bridge crossing northern Tokyo between Shibara Pier mm-hmm. and waterfront development in Minato, Tokyo. This is all from Wikipedia, by the way. Okay. The towers supporting the bridge are white in color, designed to harmonize with the skyline of central Tokyo. And there are lamps placed on the wires supporting the bridge, which are illuminated into three different colors, red, white, and green, every night using solar energy obtained during the day. So it is a real place. Also yeah. on me a Mario Kart. I wonder if that's where they got the idea from. Potentially. So then Big Ben... Its name is Big Ben, not Big Benley. It's the nickname for the Great Bell of the Great Clock of Westminster at the north end of the Palace of Westminster. The official name of the tower was originally the Clock Tower, very creative on their part, but it was renamed Elizabeth Tower in 2012 to mark the Diamond Jubilee of Elizabeth II, R.I.P. The main bell is officially known as the Great Bell, better known as Big Ben, and that name came from an MP during a parliamentary debate who suggested that no... Funny story. It's just somebody came up with the idea. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I was a little disappointed, too. The one that is kind of made up is Porta Corsa, which is like Mm. a combination of a couple different places in Italy. Uh Uh-huh. But yeah, obviously Tokyo's a real place and London's a real place. Yeah. Which I've been to, if you're counting, you know, the Amalfi Coast as the stand-in for uh, Porta Mm. Corsa. I've been to all the locations from the movie, coincidentally. Oh, very nice. And also, the you know... Radiator Springs, which was uh, in in uh, Disney California Adventure, which is really <laughs> well done, actually. Oh, cool! Yeah, was All everything right. four times bigger than it needed to be because it's for cars? Huh? I no, probably not. Did you, <laughs> did you do the Honey I Shrunk the Kids playground at Disney um, World? Uh, once upon a time, I have. Although now it is like the 
it, well, it used to be the Bugs Life. They got changed to Bugs Life, and I think now it's. I think it most of that got paved over at least in Disneyland for the Cars Land. Mm-hmm. We went to Disney World as a kid. When I was a kid, that was like my favorite part mm-hmm. was that playground. And our parents were like, okay, you need to leave now. Leave the whole <laughs> rest of the park to see. <laughs> all right. So I've got a few things. So Finn McMissile. I've, well, this is all about sort of what car, real life cars, these the car characters are based on. So mm-hmm. he's based in part on a 1958 Peerless GT. But of course, he is also based on the Aston Martin DB5. It is very recognizable in his design that he's supposed to be yep. partly a DB5. Mm-hmm. Ollie Shiftwell is a combination between a Jaguar XJR15 and a 2008 Ron Motor Scorpion. And then, of course, our heroes, or our main characters, Lightning McQueen, is based on a C6 Chevrolet Corvette and a Dodge Viper. Mm-hmm. Not exactly NASCAR cars, of yeah. course. <laughs> and Mater is based on a 1957 Chevrolet Task Force tow truck. All right. And that is actually from the uh cars wikipedia which are i don't remember what it's carsopedia <laughs> maybe so i've got a bit about lemons so in american english this is from wikipedia a lemon is a vehicle that turns out to have many uh, several manufacturing issues affecting its safety value or utility any vehicle with such severe issues may be termed a lemon and by extension so may any product with flaws too great or too severe to serve its purpose concept of describing a highly flawed item as a lemon predates its use in describing cars and it can be tracked to the beginning of the 20th century as a British and American slang term. Mm-hmm. The British use is derived from the U.S. use and is less precise or specific. To be sold a lemon is a little different to be from sold a pup. I don't know what that, <laughs> that means. That sounds British. That's, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And its first attribution to mean a problem got problematic car was in a Volkswagen ad. Uh-huh. But yeah, and then also this results in lemon laws, which is that, you know, you, you have a certain period of time where if there's any, you know, flaws or defects, you can return it. <laughs> yeah, that's good because with cars being so expensive, that's like a nightmare. Though I remember when we would uh, get a new computer when I was like a kid to teenager, uh-huh. anytime they had any kind of problem, like setting it up or trying to figure it out. My dad would always be like, it's 11, it's 11, bring it back and get a new one. It's like, just hang on, let's just try to stick it out here. All right, lastly, in the very beginning, when you see the the crabbing ship who's bringing Finn McMissile to those coordinates, the GPS coordinates are 40 40 degrees uh, and 6.8 north, 172 degrees, uh, 23.84 west, which translates to about to 40.1133 degrees and negative 172.39 degrees. This location is in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, a few hundred miles directly south of Alaska's Aleutian Islands. Very nice. All right. And that's what I got for Spy Fact versus Spy Fiction. So, yeah, a little bit about the locations as well. We've, we've been there with our you know spy gadgets, too. So. <laughs> All right, so now it's time for our favorite quotes. Unfortunately, a lot of mine are kind of context-dependent. Right. And I don't really want to explain them all, so I'm not, <laughs> going, to go just... through, I'm not really going to go through them all. I like the part where Mater is, <laughs> is like, undercover, and he's, he's, like, talking, talking, talking. He's, like, yeah. on the radio, and he says, what do you mean don't talk to you? <laughs> okay. Um, there's also a part where uh, the, the industrialist guy is, like, with all in all, gasoline is going to go the way of the dinosaurs. And Mater is like, what happened to the dinosaurs now? <laughs> mm-hmm. Which was great, though it does imply the existence of car dinosaurs. So have you heard about this unifying Pixar theory in that oh, all yeah, of I the have. Pixar movies are connected? So It's like a machine apocalypse, right? Like yeah. Terminator 2. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Uh, yeah, and so that would imply that at some point the dino- there were dinosaurs, like because there's the movie The Good Dinosaur. It was Pixar, wasn't it? I don't remember. Yes, it yeah. was. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, regular dinosaurs exist at some point. The machines rose up and killed all the humans. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. well, they. I mean, dinosaurs also existed because you have their main. What's their fuel called? Like one of the fuel companies is like something di- uh, Dinoco. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which is one of those uh, things that passes between the different Pixar movies. Oh, yeah, there you go. And yeah. that in Pizza Planet? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember the context for this, but there's a point where Mater says, that ain't what I meant, which I thought was funny. <laughs> and then finally, on his 
uh, HUD display. Yeah. I think for Mater it says average intelligence. Oh, uh, no, that's that's when the Finn introduces himself and he says, you know, Finn McMissile, British intelligence. And he says, Mater, average intelligence. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, so, so I like that. Yeah. All right, that's what I got. So my two quotes are both from Finn McMissile. He says, now that's mm-hmm. how I like to start my day. You never feel more alive than when you're almost dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then being killed by a clock gives a whole new meaning to your time has come. Wow. <laughs> and I thought our puns were bad. <laughs> All righty. Shall we get into our review? Uh, yeah. So as always, we do a rating on a scale of one to ten martinis, one being Avengers 1998. And 10 being even better than, or just as good or even better than Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. So how would we rate Cars 2? I can go first. All right. I actually I... didn't think it was that bad. Okay. Sure, it's no Cars 1. Mm. But, yeah, whatever. Like, it wasn't especially boring. Mm-hmm. The characters were likable enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't really, like, blow my mind. The animation looked really good. It also, the, yeah, it wasn't, like, great either. So okay. it was average. I will give it a five and a half out of ten. All right, all right. It, yeah. So I've seen this movie a surprise at least four times. I think. What? How is that possible? Well, I saw it in theaters, and then I saw it again once. Like I think on Disney or on DVD or Disney Plus, one of two. And then I was doing this whole rewatch of different racing movies, and I just I was like I watched Cars one and Cars three. I was like, I might as well watch Cars two as well. So right. I, and then I watched it again for this. It's been at least four times. Mm-hmm. I enjoy this movie. It's not. It's not. Is it a great movie? No, but it is an entertainingly entertaining enough movie. And sure. Although I will say, yeah, the the total shift between one to two, and then from two back to three, two mm. is such an outlier there because yeah. Also, it's never, and the events of it are never referenced again in the Cars franchise. So, is, three is more serious then, I take it? Three is a combination between like Days of Thunder and Top Gun oh. Maverick, in that now Lightning McQueen is the elder statesman and he's training, uh, training a new car and he's also mm. dealing with his, you know, becoming old and that sort of stuff. Wow. It's actually really good. If, if you liked Cars 1, I'd say watch Cars 3. Might as well. Yeah. yeah. So it certainly sounds like a interesting thing to base a movie around. But yeah, so I, I, I mean, I have fun with this movie. I think it is like, yes, I, do I wish Lightning McQueen was actually the star in his own movie? Sure. <laughs> I actually kind of appreciate that it's something different because that's the thing with a sequel, right? Sequels are hard because you want more, but you also don't want it to be the same thing again. And this yeah. movie definitely is not. It's that. definitely not. But does it go too far in being different mm, from the first? It's like completely different. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I mean, like you have characters like Sally, who was the main part of the first movie, who got three lines maybe in this film. Right. Yeah. That is also something that happens. I mean, the, again, the movie has so much in it. it, it Plus does. a new romance. Uh huh. Car, a bunch of new mass, characters, yeah. a war, a plot like it actually does a serviceable spy plot. All right, I like this idea of you see this all the time in the Bond films. They'll take what the relevant thing in society, be it you know alternative fuels, and then work a plot around that. <laughs> so, yeah. and, you know, this time of what twenty eleven, I mean, even now, still alternative fuels are are still a thing in the public consciousness, especially oil with oil and everything else. So taking mm-hmm. that in terms, okay, you have a billionaire industrialist who is actually, who you think is, you know, pushing an alternative fuel, but he's actually there to make it look bad and world domination because of an untapped fuel resource. It's, I think it's, it's a good plot. It's, it's, it's no worse than any of the, like the Pierce Brosnan era or even like Roger Moore era bond plots. The plot, the scheme, I think was, was a good one. It's just, it was very there were a lot of moving parts. Uh-huh. I don't know if that counts as a car pun. <laughs> yes, I will say but, yes. Okay, so, sure. All this being said, I'm going to give it slightly higher than average, a little bit more than you, a six and a half out of out of ten martinis. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we're, we're yeah, kind that's, of that's around reasonable. the same area of where I just get like it a little bit more than you. Mm. 
That's fine. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on social media at the Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and our merch store at redbubble.com. Until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And we are the Spy Fi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening to the Spy Fi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.